Again, we have come to the fifth commandment today in our series through the Ten Commandments. If you'd turn with me again to Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read just one verse here, the fifth commandment, verse 12. So hear God's holy word, his gracious law. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. I came across this uh, quote recently. See if it resonates uh, with your perspective on kids these days, uh, where kids are headed. Uh, It goes like this. Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, they talk too much, guzzle their food, put their feet on the table, and tyrannize those who are in authority. Maybe some of you would give something of a hearty amen to that, or maybe it sounds like something your father, your grandfather has has lamented. Um, the, The problem with thinking simply, oh, youth are becoming so disrespectful, it's all going downhill, we wish... You know, if only we could go back to the way things always were before. The problem with thinking that way is illustrated well by this quote, because this this quote was written by Socrates. So 2,500 years ago, uh, that was Socrates' opinion. He lamented some of the same trends we might see, or or the very same need to honor authority, honor those who are older uh, in the youth uh, around him. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and, and I give that uh, example, that quote, to illustrate the fact, on the one hand, that, that sin is old. Um, there's just as much need in Moses' day and Socrates' day as there is today for the fifth commandment. However, uh, particular sins, uh, trends in, in sin and what is good, uh, do go up and down through history and, and through society. Um, God brings revival of faith and holiness, and then uh, societies degrade that and, and, and so on. Um, there's no question, for example, we can trace a degradation in, in sexual ethics and clarity in, in recent decades in our society. Um, it's not necessarily the worst. It's certainly not the first time a trend like that has happened, but we can certainly trace that. Uh, so, too, can we trace a greater resistance, probably, to biblical traditional norms of authority. Uh, and things related to that, honoring those who are older, uh, wiser, uh, maybe especially in, in the last 60 years. One of the uh, enduring uh, slogans from the 60s that you still sometimes see on a t-shirt or on a bumper sticker uh, is question authority. Uh, question authority. And, and of course, there are needful good ways to do that at times, but that, I don't think that's really what's meant generally by that slogan. Uh, authority in, in the 60s and beyond maybe particularly has in many ways been understood as inherently oppressive. Uh, and so it's automatically a good thing to question and resist as a natural inclination any kind of authority. Uh, ours is a culture, again, maybe waning in, in its uh, honor of age, and of the elderly, uh, more so than other cultures or other times. Uh, again, it's not just a simple contrast with the past, 
Uh, we're glad we're not living in the French Revolution, for example, that would be much worse in, in some of these things. Um, but our culture tries desperately to stave off, to cover up age. Um, the anti-aging industry now is $63 billion. Um, you know, spending millions on covering up what is gray and, and so on. The, the Bible uh, holds in high honor those with gray hair. Um, in many ways, uh, our entire culture idolizes youth culture. Um, nothing wrong with youth culture inherently, but, but certainly there's an idolizing of it. In, in, in a, it's not false to say that pop culture now is youth culture. Pop culture is youth culture. I read a few years ago, uh, um, uh, several of us in Florida read this book and then went to hear the author speak about it. The, the book was called The Juvenilization of American Christianity. And it traces, I, I think, uh, truly and helpfully the way in which not, not so much the scriptures anymore, not long-tested tradition, not those who are older and wiser, uh, but youth culture has come to totally dominate and totally shape American Christianity. Uh, in many parts, it, it's worship, it's music, it's programs, it's tone, it's goals. Um, it, it's, an, it's an interesting read. But I want you to see this morning, the fifth commandment uh, is not simply a, a rule to help kids remember to clean their room, which it, it is in part, right? It has application to that. But it's, it's foundational to the rest of the commandments that we're going to look at, uh, five through ten, uh, it's also foundation to all of society. So think back to our, our discussion of the first commandment and how that was foundational to those first four commandments that were all about our relation to God, our worshiping the one true God, how we conceive of him, how we use and take his name on us, and so on. And really how the first commandment is foundational to all of the commands. You can't break any of the Ten Commandments, two through nine, without first breaking the first um, well, the fifth commandment is the beginning of what we traditionally call the second table of the Ten Commandments. And thinking of it in, in two parts is um, affirmed by Jesus himself when he summarized the law as love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Right? First four commandments have to do with our relation directly to God, and the last six have to do with our relation to each other, uh, to other people. And so we're beginning that second section here. And the, first, the, the fifth commandment, I think, is certainly meant as a foundation to, the, to these rest of the commands, these six commands uh, that all have to do with relating to each other, how we love our neighbors. Uh, well, that begins at home. Right? It begins in the family. Uh, the first and most fundamental relationship for every human is the relationship to your parents, uh, between parents and children. And the family that that makes up is, is the most basic building block of the society, of any society, by God's design. The whole society is built on the foundation of God's design of the family. Uh, Phil Riken comments that God intends the family to be our first hospital, our first school, first government, first church, uh, in, in a sense, uh, each of those. One of the one of the evidences, uh, just in, in history, secular history, that the family and the relation of parents to children is foundational to all of society, that everyone sort of knows this intuitively, is that when an authoritarian government has wanted to look for ways to control people more, they virtually always try to detach uh, children from their parents, to take 
control of, of the position and the role of parents and make attachment, dependence, loyalty to the state uh, more primary than to parents and to the family. Um, the first commandment, again, establishes the most fundamental relationship in life with, with our creator, the giver of life, the ruler of the universe. The fifth commandment, then, in, in a subordinate but parallel relationship, uh, relates to uh, parents, parents as givers of life, in a sense, right? Conduits of God's gift of life and rulers in the universe of the family. Um, it's foundational. Uh, Augustine said long ago, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Uh, so I want to look first this morning, as you see on your outline there, at the what, why, and how of this commandment, and then we'll move to uh, some, some broader application that, that's no less important, uh, but, but further application of this command. You have a, a half sheet in your bulletin as well. Again, as these are uh, basically topical sermons, I, I often have a lot more scripture references uh, in them than I ordinarily like to include, and so may, hopefully that's a help uh, for you as we go along. Those should be uh, in order. So let's look, let's look first at number one in your outline there and talk about a, a Hebrew word here. Um, under this point, I simply want to look at the central word in this command, which is honor. Honor. And we'll come back in part three, point three, to talk a little bit more about the, the how. How do we honor our parents? But um, again, honor your father and mother. That word honor translates the Hebrew word kavod. Uh, kavod, uh, which literally means to be weighty, to be Really heavy. Think of something that's too heavy to lift. Uh, something that's uh, very heavy. Uh, it's the same word in the Old Testament in our English Bibles. Um, behind when we read the word many times, glory. Uh, it's the word that's translated glory, as in the glory of God. Uh, it, it's the infinite weight, figuratively the weight, the weightiness, the heaviness, the significance, the power of God, his glory. We give God kavod, there's variations of this word, simplifying a little bit, but uh, we give him kavod, weightiness, glory, because of his infinite and exclusive kavod, his glory, um, his weightiness. That's the first commandment. This word is also something of an antonym for a word we find in the third commandment. Remember the third commandment, not to take the Lord's name in vain, right? Empty. Uh, that's, that's kind of the opposite of, of this word. Um, and, and so in a, in a parallel way, and because of how God has designed this word, this world, uh, we give kavod, weightiness, significance, honor to parents, and, and as we'll see, to others in authority over us. Uh, ultimately, not just honoring them, but honoring God uh, and the glory of God. The, the opposite of kavod or giving honor or giving glory is to treat lightly, right? Not weighty, but to treat lightly, to dishonor. In the Bible, this, this matter of um, honoring your parents or not honoring your parents uh, is not treated as just helpful advice, but it's, it's treated with deadly earnestness. Uh, the civil laws that God attaches to the fifth commandment, uh, Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 21, we can find these actually prescribe death for those who curse and rebel against their parents. Uh, now, 
not exactly clear what, what, to what extreme that would have to be. There's no evidence of this actually being applied uh, in the Old Testament. But, but uh, why? Why, why, would the death, why would this be lumped in in terms of its penalty with, with blasphemy and, and murder? Uh, well, it's one of the most basic evidences of revulsion of, uh, for God himself. Rebellion against God himself, and it's, it's one of the most destructive sins to all of society. Uh, we are to honor, to give appropriate kavod, weightiness, to our parents. Let's consider, secondly, uh, why, as we, we've asked uh, of most of these commands, why? Why should fathers and mothers be so honored? Well, there are other places in the scriptures where this command is basically reiterated, and and there's reason given, Colossians 3, verse 20, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. It's pleasing. Or Ephesians 6, 1, we read this earlier this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, it's pleasing to God. It's right. It's the right thing to do. Uh, and, and those things, those reasons are implied just by the fact that this command is one of the Ten Commandments. It's right. It's, it's God's will. It's his design. It's how his world works, especially, we might say, after the fall. Necessarily, our structures of authority and oversight and responsibility in society and in all kinds of circles in society. Uh, and that's reflected in, in many areas, even of secular society. This, this principle of um, authority and honoring authority and this kind of relationship is not just something within the church. Uh, it's, it's reflected in, in all areas of secular society. Companies have a CEO or a board that has final authority, final responsibility for how things go. Um, in, in a surgery, you know, you go into a surgical room and a hospital, it's not a democracy in there, right? Even if there are multiple surgeons, there will be one who has final responsibility and authority for how things go. Uh, it's the way things have always been necessarily in the military, right? Uh, in, in the military as a whole, which, which uh, you know, comes to a point in, in our president, for example, in our nation, uh, or in an expedition, uh, or, or a, a, um, uh, some kind of commission. Uh, sometimes, it's an interesting uh, example, sometimes the Lewis and Clark expedition is cited as uh, an exception to that. Uh, we have Captain Lewis and Captain Clark, uh, who, who uh, perhaps had the same uh, commission uh, on that expedition, uh, and, and, and all the soldiers that went along with them. All of the soldiers that were part of that expedition believed that uh, Lewis and Clark both had the same rank. Uh, but that's only because Lewis told them that. Uh, Lewis and Clark both uh, knew with absolute clarity that, that Lewis, or that Clark actually, was only a second lieutenant. Uh, Lewis just told everybody he was a captain as well uh, for, for some reasons with, with the expedition. And final authority, should it come to it, lay with Captain Lewis uh, in that uh, instance. Uh, but anyway, this, this command, so there, there are... There are reasons that this command is good and right. This is God's design for the world. But the command here in Exodus 20, as it's stated, gives another reason. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged. So that your days may be prolonged. Uh, this is not just a mathematical guarantee of, of long life. It's a Hebrew idiom. We, can, uh, we could give examples of this, this idiom all over the Old Testament. 
It's an idiom for, for a blessed, abundant life. Um, it, it's much like statements in, in Proverbs. It's not, again, an absolute guarantee. You, you do this, and this is exactly what will happen in, infallibly, uh, always. Uh, it's, it's a truism. Uh, much like many of the promises in Proverbs, it's a truism. It's, it's saying that honoring your parents, honoring authority that's instituted by God, tends toward your great blessing. Uh, that, that's the promise here. Uh, listen to Proverbs 3, which essentially says the same thing. Proverbs 3 begins, the father speaking there, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Uh, it, it will tend to your blessing uh, if you do this. That really applies to all the commandments, right? Not just the fifth commandment. Um, in, in Deuteronomy 30, God challenges Israel uh, in this way. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may uh, live. And, and what, what, is, what does choosing life mean there? Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Uh, in other words, the, the, the commandments of God helping us to be like our Heavenly Father are, are life-giving. They're a gracious blessing to us. Uh, Proverbs 6, uh, verse 20 says, My son, again the father speaking here to his son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. And then he gives a reason. Because when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will talk with you. They, God's commands lead us. They protect us from all kinds of soul-destroying alternatives that are out there. Uh, it's, it's a blessing and a guard to us. To honor your parents is a blessing to you. It's a blessing to, to all of society, really. Another reason for following the fifth commandment that we could derive from the scriptures, really the, the chief way that the fifth commandment is a blessing to children uh, is that it's God's way of instructing them in knowing him. Right? It's, it's God's way of teaching children the gospel, of knowing Christ. It's his chief way of evangelizing in this world, passing on the faith. So Psalm 78 says, He commanded our fathers to teach their children. Why? So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So, that, so much for the why for now. Let's think a bit more about the how, thirdly, on your outline there. Uh, how do we honor our parents? What, is, what does that mean a little bit more practically? Uh, the, the first things the scriptures point us to in honoring our parents uh, is simply obedience. Obeying them, doing, doing what they say. Uh, following how they're leading us. Uh, what does biblical obedience look like? Well, biblical obedience, we, we read some of it in Ephesians 5 uh, earlier, particularly in, in the instructions to slaves with their masters. It's willing. It's not begrudging. It's, it's willing. Uh, even uh, joyful, we could summarize the biblical teaching. So kids, you should practice saying, yes, mom, and okay, dad. Right, even with a smile. Uh, what else does... Um, I've been waiting for this sermon for a long time. <laughs> um, what else does biblical obedience look like? Uh, obeying uh, your parents the first time. Right? Immediately. 
Uh, obeying your parents is not a negotiation with them. doesn't mean you can't discuss things or ask questions. Those are good things, but it's not a power struggle, right? Um, honoring your parents, so it, it's interesting, the fifth commandment doesn't say obey your parents, obey your father and mother. Uh, it gives a broader word, right? And so it's, it's much more than just obeying. Um, honoring your parents goes beyond that. It's, it's even if you're doing, obeying them willingly and diligently, it's more than that. Uh, looking for ways to honor them, to honor their, their sacrificial responsibility for you, their care of you. Um, going beyond what's just asked of you. Uh, maybe looking for other chores that you could do to help, uh, things that you can help in beyond what you have to do. Uh, showing thanks, that's a huge way to honor your parents, whatever your a- age you're at. Uh, looking for ways to demonstrate your love for your parents. Uh, speaking well of your parents to others. Um, listening to them. Uh, again, at, at any age. And, and again, uh, this, this, uh, we need to note that this honoring your parents changes with age. Right? Your relationship to your parents changes in, in some, some significant ways. In some significant ways, it, it doesn't completely, for sure. But you know, especially with your own marriage, when, when you grow up and you get married, you move out, uh, Genesis 2, and, and Jesus quotes Genesis 2, to the effect of leaving your father and mother, cleaving to your spouse, and you start a new family, there, your own family. There's, there's a different relationship to your parents, naturally changes as you come into adulthood and move out of the house and so on. It's necessary for young adults to take on more responsibility, to make decisions for themselves increasingly. But the fifth commandment remains in force. Even though it changes, it's not, about, it's not as focused on obedience, uh, but it remains in force as long as your parents are living. There's still many ways to honor them. And again, the Bible speaks over and over again to honoring those who are older, especially your parents. Uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty two says, do not despise your mother when she is old. Uh, just because she's gotten old and you are older doesn't mean that, that the fifth commandment ends. Proverbs 16 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. If it's a crown of glory, it's, it's deserving of honor. Leviticus 19.32, you shall, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Again, this um, is something that's uh, almost certainly waning in our society. Uh, Twenty plus years ago, the, the famous Princeton ethicist uh, Peter Singer noted that, statistically, it's statistical fact, Many Americans will spend half, half of what they spend on health care through their whole life, they will spend in the last six months of their life. That's a reality for many people. And so Peter Singer said, well, we should be helping people die sooner to save money. Right? And that was kind of shocking, you know, what he was saying and Dr. Kevorkian and so on 20, 30 years ago. Uh, today, it's, it's not uncommon at all in academic journals at, and, and other places for for these discussions to go on. Um, and again, there are many ways that those who are older are not honored. Uh, as Christians, we're called to the opposite, uh, and especially toward our parents. Uh, Jesus brings up the fifth commandment in the Gospels in challenging or rebuking the Pharisees. 
uh, for trying to avoid caring for aging parents, basically. Uh, remember that, that passage. And there are many opportunities for that as, as parents age. Let's fourthly, on your outline, consider some, some further applications. As, as with all the commands, again, we understand, and, and Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount maybe most explicitly makes this very clear, we're to think of the commands as a, as a whole category of obedience, a category of what is wrong and what is, what is good and right. Um, and, and the whole scriptures point us to that. There are many other things outside of just parents and children that the fifth commandment points us to. Uh, basically, any relationship of proper authority. Uh, so uh, bosses or elected rulers or elders, or there, there, there's, there, there's lots of spheres for this. We t- before we touch on some of those briefly, uh, the fifth commandment implies also uh, its opposite in a sense. It implies that those who are in authority, who have some responsibility and authority, ought to honor that relationship as well. Uh, not just those who are who are under the authority. They ought to honor the responsibility and authority they've been given by God as well. Honor the submission of those who are in their care and, and the responsibility they have to care for them. And so the, the scriptures state God's law in, in that reverse many times as well. We read this morning, fathers, don't provoke your children. Parents are to, to honor this relationship and, and their responsibility and role. Um, civil rulers in in Romans 13, Paul addresses civil rulers, their responsibility to be a terror to evil, uh, but not to good. Right? They have a particular responsibility before God. Ephesians 5, husbands are to die to selves in loving and serving their wives, in living with them with understanding, 1 Peter. Uh, elders are to lead by example, not to seek their own gain in any way, they're to, to shepherd uh, and not to lord it over, as Jesus said, uh, those who are in their care. And just thinking particularly about parents, again, the, the responsibility of parents that the fifth commandment calls parents to. Uh, here's, here's how, uh, again, Phil Riken summarizes this. We are called to pray for them, for children, to encourage them, to counsel them, to protect them, and provide for their daily needs. We're called to set a godly example For though children don't always listen to their parents, they never fail to imitate them. We are called to educate them, preparing them for their life's calling, including marriage and parenting. Most important of all, if children are commanded to listen to their parents, we are commanded to teach them from the scriptures and lead them in the worship of God. Just one other implication, I think, of the fifth commandment for parents uh, is that parents need to maintain a distinction from their children. You need to maintain the authority that God has given to you within the home. Of course, with with sacrificial love and care and and so on. But you don't serve your children well by trying to be their peers or or their buddy. You don't serve them well by making obedience a matter of negotiation. Uh, the, The goal is not that you would make your kids like you or be their friend primarily. Right, uh, But think of all the relationships the fifth commandment addresses by God's design. Again, within the family, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, we read this morning, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. There's a biblical design within marriage reflected here. 
uh, within the church. Members of the church are to submit to Jesus by submitting to the shepherding oversight and authority of the elders. One place that's addressed is Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Uh, Repeatedly in the New Testament, we're called to uh, give this honor and submission to government, to civil government. Uh, Romans 13, Paul says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And then Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, similarly says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. What does that mean for our relationship to civil government? Well, it means uh, certainly obeying, obeying laws. Uh, But but Peter uses, Peter especially uses more words than just obeying. We're to honor. We're to give honor to those who are in authority over us. We we give kavod to, to the office that God has given, even if we don't like or disagree with, with the person, I'll come back to that. But we give honor to the office that God has given to president, to king, to city council, to county commissioner, uh, whoever it is. Two more things that I, that I want to note uh, under this point. Uh, one, what, what does not limit this command? Uh, and then secondly, what, what does limit this command in, in a sense? So first, what, what does not limit this command? Um, uh, just consider the fact that, that submitting to authority, whether a parent or a government, um, honoring that authority is easy, relatively at least. It's, it's easy when you like that person, right? Or when you agree with them, you agree with how they're, how they're doing their job. Maybe you voted for that person, or you, you would do it the same way. It's, it's much easier. But that does not limit this command. Um, honor and submission are especially meaningful. And, and in some sense, you could say they are honor and submission only when, when it's hard, when you do not agree, when you would not do it the way that it's being done. Uh, parents, elders, judges, lawmakers uh, may and do act foolishly and selfishly, harshly, but we are salt and light in this world by honoring God and always honoring them. It doesn't mean that we can't disagree. There aren't ways to do that. But we always owe honor. Uh, consider what does limit this command in a sense, though. If there's ever conflict between what, what God requires of you and what a human authority requires of you, a government or a parent or anyone... Uh, you must disobey. You are required to disobey your human authority uh, and obey God alone. Um, There are biblical examples of that. Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, Peter and the apostles brought in before the authorities, the civil authorities, and commanded not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, and they they go out and start doing it right away again. Uh, We must obey God rather than men. Uh, Jonathan, disobeying his father Saul to protect David's life. Um, this, 
this topic, this discussion includes and relates also to abuse, a difficult topic. The application of it is often tricky, difficult, but, but submission to authority does not mean within the family that a wife or a child, for example, cannot seek safety from physical abuse, that, that submission somehow requires that they not do that. They, they ought to seek safety. Um, that can be a ground for, can be ground for divorce even, uh, biblically, I believe. Uh, certain kinds of abuse not only break God's law and, and justify protection and safety, but often break civil laws uh, as well. And it's good and right to prosecute those things uh, in, in the society, in the church, uh, and, and to seek safety. Uh, consider fifthly and finally with me, then, Jesus and the fifth commandment. Uh, Jesus is, again, the only one who ever perfectly kept the fifth commandment. And that's, that's quite a, an interesting and incredible thing to think about. He did that in perfectly obeying his heavenly father. Uh, John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Uh, think about why Jesus might have used that metaphor. It's his food, his very life, is to do the will of his father. John 14, he said, I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Jesus never turned away from exactly what the Father asked him to do, asked him to suffer, asked him to obey. Uh, Also, Jesus incredibly, perfectly obeyed his human parents. Um, And and in some sense, that's even more remarkable. Um, He obeyed his sinful parents, Joseph and Mary, who, uh, I mean, we don't have any reason to think they weren't generally good human parents, but certainly parented him with Selfish motives at times, with foolish advice at times, uh, with, with harshness. And there was no ultimate necessity for, for Jesus, for the Son of God, God himself, to subject himself to sinful, foolish people in that way. Uh, aside from the fact that the triune God had determined to save sinners, then it became necessary. But uh, Jesus, in some sense, could have stayed in heaven, as it were, with, with the Father, but because Jesus was a baby and a boy and a man who honored his parents, that he created uh, for your sake, he subjected himself to that. Because that, you are saved. Uh, after Jesus was, Joseph and Mary scolded Jesus rather sharply in, there in early in Luke when he stayed behind in the temple um, in Jerusalem. Uh, the very next verse says, But he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And the very next sentence is, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. That that would have been something to ponder and to treasure, a perfectly obedient and submissive son. Uh, And Jesus honored his parents all the way to the cross. It's supposed that maybe Joseph uh, had passed by the time Jesus was on the cross. This is why Mary's there alone. And Jesus asks John uh, to care for Mary as, as if he were her own son. Well, the fifth commandment with the rest of the commands is one that condemns us. It's, again, a mirror to our own depravity, our pride, our offense against a good and holy and gracious father. Uh, and yet it also then points you to the fact that Jesus was condemned for you. He was condemned as a rebellious child. Uh, Jesus died for all of 
your disrespect of parents or other authorities, your, your failure to give honor to those that God has given responsibility and authority to, for all of our abuse of our own responsibility and authority. But because he died for you, you are accepted as a loved and perfectly obedient child of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for your law here this morning that uh, gives us light and life, uh, shows us how to be like our Lord Jesus. Uh, We thank you for the reminder that he was condemned as a rebellious son uh, in our place, that we would be accepted and welcomed in your family uh, as perfectly obedient and loved. We pray that we would uh, live in light of that, live in light of that gospel truth uh, as we seek to honor parents and uh, all the relationships that you've put us in uh, for your glory. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.